Hallelujah. I want to just read to you something before we invite Brother John to come and speak the word. But from the message, Getting in the Spirit in 1961, Brother Branham says, The vision tonight of the Lord to clean out this thing and start anew. Clean out, not start a new organization, but start a revival in the organization. Start a new meeting. Start letting God come in. Dig out all your old fault finding, all your backbiting, all your stiff necks, these superstitions and unbeliefs. Throw the thing out. He says, well, Brother Branham, I tell you, he says, I don't care what it means. You'll either dig or die. Oh my, you'll either dig or die. We've had a lot of time now. We've had a few weeks to do a little bit of self-digging, to dig down in and see if we can really make it through. But now's the time to say, start a new revival in me. Let God come in and do the work. Amen. We want a greater revival. Just let all the unbelief out. He says in the same message, he said, what did the prophet say to them? He said, why? This little thing, thing to the Lord, this is a little thing to the Lord. If you just get all the logs out of the way, I'll take care of the rest of it. If you'll just get all the unbelief out of the way, God will take care of the rest of it. Most of us here have been raised in the message. Some of us have come in from the world, but I want to tell you tonight, it doesn't matter. What matters is get the unbelief out of the way. In other words, every little doubt of something that says, well, I'm not sure if that really, now's the time. to say, Lord, when Brother John comes and speaks the word, I'm just going to get all my doubts aside. I'm going to get all my unbelief aside. Let God take care of the rest. He said, you know what happened? He said, each man, pick you up a rock. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to let you possess it. And each man took a rock. And when he got over to where the old formal wells was, he had a good rock testimony. Oh, hallelujah. We want some testimonies tonight. Amen. Tonight, right now, before the preaching, get the unbelief. Just kick it out. Just pick up a rock. It was amazing to me a few weeks ago. I had a fire on Friday night and I just let it burn through the night. Friday night and it's down in the pit so I thought it was okay and Saturday evening I come out there and was taking a look at it and I just stirred it up a little bit and I just went away and I come back about five minutes later and there was flame you might look at your life and say there's just a smoldering ruin there ain't nothing left it just looks like white ash just let God stir it up a little bit and watch a flame come out of where it looked like there was no way. God is more than able. If we just take all the doubt and throw it out and say, Lord, I'm going to take this little rock. The Bible says, for whom he did for no. How many know this scripture? Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he did for no. We all know chapter or verse 28 real well. 
That's one of some of our favorites. All things work together for good. To them who love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. But then he goes on and he says, For whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Oh my. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. What shall we say then if God before us, who can be against us? Amen. If God before us, if God before revival, if God before you getting a hold of him in your life, who could stand against it? What could stand in the way of the word of God? Amen. Amen. There's no better shoes to walk in than the predestinated children of God right now. There's no better shoes to stand in than to say I'm predestinated. There's no better place to be than in the house of the Lord right now. The world can have their pleasures and their ways, but there's no better place than to say, Lord, I'm predestined. If you're predestined, you're going to make it. It's just that simple. God's going to make a way. You might fight, you might kick, you might run as far as you can, but you're going to make it. Because God predestinated. Because God chose. And do you just take that little stone and start possessing, as the Bible says, the inheritance that has been reserved for you. Nobody else can take it. It's yours. Just pick up the little stone tonight and say, Lord, I'm getting rid of all the unbelief. Come speak to me, Lord. Come speak to me, Lord. Amen. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Speak. Our hearts are burning within us. We know that song Brother Ray sang it. And he had on his heart. Do you know how to sing that a little bit? A little bit. Perfect. That's way better than I know how to sing it. If he knows a little bit, that's better than me saying a lot. All right. Let's just sing the chorus. Speak the word, Lord, my ears long to hear you. We're going to invite Brother John. Just lift your hands to the Lord and say, this is my desire. Speak the word, my heart hates to know. I want to know your will, Lord. Just speak to me tonight. Speak the word, Lord, of you have me to be. Speak the word, Lord, your servant will go. Sing that chorus one more time. Speak to me, Lord. Speak the word, bring before the Lord. He's our almighty God, and there's nothing that he can't do for you. Heavenly Father, we just want to come and thank you so much for your presence, just coming in to this sanctuary and feeling you here, Lord, and the charge and the energy that's in the room. Lord, we're so happy to be back in church tonight, Lord. 
Lord, we just want to come into your presence, Lord, and open up our hearts, oh God. I pray all the things of the week and all the things of the day would just fade away now, Lord. All the nerves, all the doubts would just fade away as the service would go, Lord. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts, oh God. Lord, where we've said or done wrong, cover us by your blood, Lord. Draw us a little closer to you, oh God. We thank you for the song service. And Lord, just now as we approach your word, Lord, I can't do it, but you can. Lord, we just want to come and give ourselves, every part of us, to you. and Take the speaker and take the hearer, Lord, oh God. I pray that you would be able to change a heart or touch a life. or Lord, that you would be able to move, Lord. We just love you with all of our heart. We commit ourselves to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I think that's all the singing will do. And I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to take this off. I'm feeling good tonight. There's such a good atmosphere here. How many is excited to be back in church? Amen. Amen. It is good to see everyone. It has been three weeks that were way too long. And it is good to be back in the house of the Lord. I wonder if we could turn to the book of of Judges, chapter 6. And I I, I have an interesting scenario that happened with my iPad, so I'm going to be running off of this. So if I'm running around with a cell phone, I'm sorry. But that's where all the, the notes are laying. God bless you, Brother Andrew, for the, the intro. It was just perfect. It just fit with where we're going to go. And I wonder if we could turn to Judges chapter 6, verse 1. And Brother, Brother Moses had preached on Gideon a f- number of weeks back, and I couldn't get it out of my mind. And then he took a verse out of it again on Wednesday, and I thought, oh, my. But we'll, we'll go here anyway, and I trust that God can speak. And it starts off in a negative spot, but we're going to end very far from negative tonight. It says, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so what would happen, what would always happen when they did evil. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and the caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown... So here was the pattern. Israel would do all the work. They would go out and plant. They would go to church. They would get in the word, and there would be a growth that would happen. And then the Midianites would come. And because Israel was under a curse, because they had disobeyed God, their harvest could never come to fruit. They would go in a cycle, year after year after year. So it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, And the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them, and they destroyed the increase of the earth till they came unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camel were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And that's what we have to do. Then they did the right thing. They cried unto God, who is the deliverer. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites. And here, he never mentions a name, but it sends out a principle that's right where we are too. The Lord sends a prophet. We don't know the name of this prophet. But God sends a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all them that oppressed you. 
and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear ye not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but ye have not obeyed my voice. And there an angel of the Lord, so the prophet had come and said this, and immediately God comes to a man named Gideon. So we can see this scene. A prophet has come in our generation, and God has come to back up that word and come to you. You mighty young people of valor. And there, came, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Oprah, that pertained unto Joash the Abyssalite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Here it calls him an angel of the Lord, but right away it switches. But it says, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, and Brother Brandon would say this was a good scriptural question. This wasn't a doubting question. Why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles? Which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? My parents talked about deliverance. I've heard about all these things, but where is it for me? Where is it today? Why are we in bondage? Where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of? told us, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And then it says, the Lord looked upon him and said, go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? God bless the, the reading of the word. You can have your seats. I, my title tonight is, but didn't I send you? And it's a response back to all the things that we can say to God. We come with our excuses, we come with our fears, we come with our doubts, and God says, but didn't I send you? Yeah. It must have been quite the, the day in, 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 in Israel where during that time of the judges, Joshua had come and he had gone. Yeah. And they had been given a land to possess. They had been given something that they were supposed to overcome, and they had began to cross Jordan, and they had began to push out the enemies, and they had began to push out the, the inhabitants of the land, and they had had many great victories. And yet, they didn't push them all out. As we enter the book of Judges, we see this cycle of victory and defeat that would begin to happen. This cycle where they would come into a spot of the land or they'd be pushing another enemy out and they would come up to a certain spot, but then they would adopt the customs of the land and they would begin to worship Baal and then God would be forced to curse them and judge them and give them into the hands of their enemies. And now these enemies were a, a pretty brutal kind of enemy because these enemies would allow them to go so far with God. He would allow them to plant, plant their food begin to watch the wheat grow or watch the corn grow or watch the fruits of God start to grow in their life. He would allow them to go to church. He would allow them to feed on the word. But there would come a point where he would come in and steal the harvest year after year after year. He would come to a spot where he would allow them to get so far with God, but that was it. And because they weren't obeying God, because they had let the clouds of doubt come in the way, because they had gotten out from behind the word, Satan had a right to it. And he could take it away. It wouldn't matter what they did. It got to a certain part and Satan would have his right. But I'll say today, he has no right. If we can let the clouds disappear. Brother, I loved what Brother Andrew said. I have this, I'm taking my thoughts from, many of my thoughts from, if God be with us, then where is all the miracles? Brother Branham preached in 1961, and another one, have not I sent thee, I think. But Brother Branham would say, where is the miracles at among us? Where are they at? 
Gideon asking the question. And Brother Branham says, God was talking to this man, getting him ready to go out. We can sit and ask that question, where is the power of God in my life? Where are the miracles at? Good question. God just might be getting you ready to go out, to go take that. Move the clouds out, Brother Branham says. The sun is always shining. That's right. When the doubts are gone and things are made right, miracles will be there just as sure as the Son of God is there. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things. Note when the Bible says all things a number of times. What does it mean? All things. Only limited by our faith. All things. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. But there was Gideon hiding under a wine press. But the angel of the Lord was coming to encourage him. And the angel of the Lord was coming to tell him something, that thou art a mighty man of valor. Now, the devil likes to come into our life and steal the things that we build up. As young people, we can come and we can come to a service or we can come and live our lives and we can come to certain spots in life, but it will feel like we hit a spot where we can't seem to break through any farther. It'll feel like that's the spot that we can't get to. And in other parts in our life, God can come and even ask us to do things for him. God can be calling us to do something for him, whatever it would be, and have a call in our life, but we'll hit a spot where we don't want to give it all to him, where we won't want to surrender ourselves fully to what he wants us to do. We might have a fear or a doubt in the way. We might have something wrong in our life in the way. We might have our own feeling of, well, that's just my pride or ambition wanting to do that. But what if God's calling you to do that? Now, in the, in, the, in the message, if God be for us, then where be all the miracles? They had done talking about how the Philistines and the, um, the, Am, the Ammonites or all the different ones had treated the Israelites. He says, and now they had done the Israelites, the Philistines, the Midianites, the Amorites, and all the different ones had come in like locusts and just eat up what they had and they take it and go on. But did you notice that they could not do that until Israel first fell away from God? So until something went wrong, the enemies had no right on them. And the enemy has no right on you until there's something wrong somewhere, until the devil has a little foothold, a place where he can maybe make you disbelieve. The devil can't set a foot on you to hurt you until first you get away from God. You must remember that. Check when anything happens. See if you're in the faith or not. See if you're right up to the place with God. And then remember, when you're in the right place, the devil can do you no harm. You're in Christ. Now, Gideon was a man that believed in God. He wanted to see miracles in the church. He was asking the question, I've heard about it growing up. I've heard about the power of God. I've heard about these things happen. Now, where is it in my life? We can ask that question. And God was getting him ready to go. Now, I was thinking about this a little bit, and I was somewhere in the east somewhere last weekend, and there was a young people's service they had. And there was a brother that was talking about how we are called to live out the book of Acts. Now, that can sound a little bit maybe out there, or if you read the book of Acts, it can sound miraculous or, or whatever it would be, but I want to bring it home that we are called to live the book of Acts. Yeah. Brother Branham would say in the church age book, now remember this, Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. Right. He would say later, he knows, Satan knows, that if the people can get a true revelation of the true church and what she is and what she stands for, and that she can do the greater works, which is what they did in Acts, 
the greater works, she will be an invincible army. But when you talk about miraculous things, many times if we hear the word miracle, that, that message is, if God be for us, where are all the miracles? We think simply of a, a really instantaneous healing of our physical body. That's what we think of instantly. Well, Brother Branham would lay out, a healing is a slower process of healing in the body, and a miracle is instantaneous. And yet there's something more to that, I believe. The, the definition of miracle, in one of the definitions I found, it might have been Merriam-Webster, says, extraordinary and astonishing happening. So that's much broader than just your body. Something that happens. Extraordinary and astonishing happening that is attributed to the presence and action of an ultimate or divine power. So when I say the word miracle tonight, I want you to think about anything that God can do to change your life. The power of God in your life, whether it would take a while or whether it be a change of heart that happens in an instant. When the miracle happens, when, when, when the power of God strikes your heart, when you're quickened and alive, that's what we're looking for. A healing in the body or a miracle in the body, that is good. But there's something even greater about when God changes your heart and changes your desire. Many people went through a prayer line in Brother Branham's day and they left and they never followed the message. But there was a group that maybe were healed, maybe were changed, maybe were saved, but then they were filled and they were walking in the message and they were living in the message. And what was the greater miracle? If God be with us, I want to see those miracles. And I believe I'm looking at miracles tonight. What was the book of Acts church? It was a church that was imperfect, really. You look objectively at the book of Acts, you'll see it was an imperfect church. They had their flaws. And yet it was a church with the power of God in it. We're called to be that church. Now, I was thinking about, I, I noticed, I, I'm jumping around and I'm sorry. Your church, you know what, I'm going to wait for that, sorry. I'm, now the nerves kicked in. We're called to be that church in the book of Acts. We're called to live what God has called us to live. We're called to live what they did in Acts we're supposed to do. And it was amazing. Last Friday, he, the brother there was just going through what happened in the book of Acts. Well, let's start with the first miracle maybe that we could point out. In Acts chapter 2, there was a group of people in one accord, in one place, and the power of God came in the room and filled them all, and tongues of fire were saw. You want to talk about a miracle that changed lives and quickened hearts. A few verses later, Peter goes out and they hear him in a, in a bunch of different languages and he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And there he was preaching the gospel to them and lives were being changed and hearts were being transformed. Another instance of the power of God. Now, the, another instance would be where, where Paul was sitting around a campfire shipwrecked and a, a snake grabs him and throws it off. Yeah. Or another instance might be Paul speaking the word and the, and, and the, and, or Peter speaking the word and the, the whole room being filled with the Holy Ghost or many examples. Yeah. Peter's shadow crosses people and they're healed. Yeah. But I want to say this. It's easy for us to believe in the message that God could use a, a, a preacher or, or, or your parent or someone great in our mind to stand at an altar and lay their hands on you and God would use them to heal you. That's actually, if you grow up in the message and we see those things, it's not as hard to believe as if you laid your hands on someone or you 
said something and a life was changed. Or you had the miracle come through you. And that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about a group of young people. It's not about a preacher. It's not about anything else other than you accepting the faith to say, I can do that. If I believe the word, there's nothing that can hold me back. Don't put it off on anyone else. And you say, well, I can't do that. Didn't I send you? Didn't God send you? It wasn't just someone to speak the word here. It was God trying to say, I want a bride. That it, the message is not for a preacher. The, breast, the message is for a bride. The message is for someone, anyone, young or old, male, female, whatever place you're in, to take the word and to live it with all of their heart. The Bible says in Mark 16, chapter 17, and these signs shall follow everyone then, them that believe. If the preacher doesn't believe, it doesn't follow him. These signs shall follow them that believe. And what does he list? They, they shall, in, the, in my name, they, everyone, shall cast out devils. They, everyone, shall speak with new tongues. And they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's to you. That's to me. That's to everyone that will take God at his word and believe it. Didn't I send you? Didn't he send you? Brother Brandon would say this amazing quote in the message. These so-called churches around the countries today say, well, well where is all the miracles? We give $1,000 for anyone that will permit or produce a miracle. And this is the starting place. He says, you poor, debilitated, backslidden, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. He would say some strong things. But then he says this. How are you ever going to see a miracle until you become one? Glory, a miracle of God's grace to take an unbelieving doubter and fill him with the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he can't even see the kingdom of God. If you want to see a miracle, become one. He says, let God do the work on you. He's got some overhauling to do, some different lenses to put over your eyes because you're dead, dead in sins and trespasses, spiritually blind, dead in sin and trespasses. Right, God has to give you life. Touch your eyes so you can see, perform a miracle, make you a miracle, and then you can see the miracle working God. So that's where we want to start is let God make you that miracle. Let God come and change your heart. Come and take the word in your heart and say, let your word be born. And God will do amazing things through you, not just someone else or have someone else touch you, but through you. If God be with us, where are all the miracles? Brother Branham would say, he said, if God was with us, where is all his mighty miracles? Because understand, listen how scriptural Gideon was. It wasn't a doubting question. In light, and otherwise, he said, we understand that God is a great God of mighty workings. He's a great God of miracles. And if he's for us today, and if he's with us today, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, where can I see his miracles? Where can I see God in action? Where is he at if he's for us? The mighty man of valor could refer back to the old word and, and know it's right because he knowed that, that God is a supernatural being. And it just puts it such a, a, a definite answer that when God comes, God comes. When he moves, he moves. 
and whenever a spiritual, Brother Brown says, and wherever a spiritual being is, he'll do supernatural signs. Supernatural being is, he'll do supernatural signs because the supernatural is in him. You just can't get out of it. Brother Branham says, how can you stand in the face of wind without having wind blowing? Kind of sounds like an obvious question. How can you get in water without being wet? Sounds like an obvious question. Water is wet, he says. Chemical, that's the chemical of it. It's wet. And when you get in water, you're going to get wet. And when you get in the presence of God... The supernatural, there's going to be supernatural signs and the supernatural workings of a supernatural God. It's the same as water being wet. When God comes down in this room, when God comes into your heart or soul, it's going to be supernatural. It's going to be something that quickens you, changes you and turns you around, sets you on a different course. Therefore, he said, where is the working? Where is the miracles if God be with us? Brother Branham claps his hands together. That's it. Where God is, miracles are. Where God is, the sign of God is. Hallelujah. Brother Branham would say the message, there's there's been brides, 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 but there's going to be a bride. He would talk about how there's going to be no more big moves or revivals, but there'll be a, a bride's revival. And that's what we're living in now. It's not just big things and manifestations or, you know what I mean, I think. But a word that comes alive in hearts and lives. That it doesn't matter all the things that could hold us, but there'll be something, that, that song, there's fire shut up in my bones. There's something that burns in you that you just, you can't do anything but just want to serve God and want to love Him and want to give everything you have to Him. But now... Like I said in Acts, the church wasn't perfect. The church wasn't quite all everything that we might have thought it to be. The power of God is great, but the power of God can fall on the just and on the unjust. And the power of God can fall in times, and then you look back years later and you say, well, that person was a hypocrite, or that person didn't get it, or that person, what happened there? Or we've been in the message for, what is it, 50 plus years since the prophet has gone on. And if you've been, I've been in this church all my life. You've been in this church maybe all your life. And the longer you're in a church and the longer you're in and around people, you'll see things that you'll look and you'll say, wow, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect them to fall away. Or I didn't expect something to go wrong. Or that brother disappointed me. Or that sister disappointed me. Why does that happen? Why would, that, why would God even allow that? Why would God let that? Why would God pick a guy named Judas to walk with them? He picked him. Knew he was the son of perdition. Why? Why would he allow the book of Acts to have an Ananias and Sapphira? Or why would he allow there to be disputings in the church or problems or or struggles? Why would he allow the book of Judges where they would have a, a cycle, where they were given the promised land, and yet they were in this cycle of victory and defeat? Why? There's a reason why. Turn to Judges chapter 3. The book of Judges, chapter 3, in the first verse. Remember, there was nations left over in the book of Judges that were inhabiting places they were not supposed to be. Samson would come. Gideon would come. Barak would come. Jephthah would come. Shamgar would come. But why were they there? Now, these are the nations with which the Lord left. 
to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel has had not known all the wars of Canaan. So there was a group of young people that had come up that had only heard the stories of the message in the 80s and the 90s that had only heard the story of the message in the 2000s and the battles that it went through and the great missionaries and the great things that had happened. They had heard about the battles in Canaan, but they hadn't faced one themselves. Only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war. At the least, such as knew nothing thereof before, namely five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon from the entering in of Hamath. And they were there, they were to prove Israel by them to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord which he had commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. And so there they are in the land with battles for a purpose. And here we are in the land with battles for a purpose. We're fighting in the greatest battle that's ever been fought. What if it would have been that after the, you know, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, we would have hit a plateau and there would have been no more temptation and, and we, all of our parents would have overcome and grandparents would have all overcome all the things that they would have needed to overcome and we would have just rode on into a rapture. It doesn't work that way. You know why? And I'll say first, God let the temptation get 10 times worse every generation. The generation is worse in high school than it was for me, and worse than it was for the elders. The elders. Why? Because God wants to show. Because God wants to show that He can so fill a group of young people, that He can so fill a group of young people that it doesn't matter what the devil throws, that it doesn't matter what He puts in front of them. That it doesn't matter what he does, what discouragements he gives, what mental issues and health issues and, 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 and temptations and trials, church disappointments and people disappointing them and church and, and it doesn't matter. Because there will be a bride that will overcome. There's been brides and brides and brides, but there's coming a bride. There's coming a, a generation of young people that will go all the way to a rapture. There's coming a group of people that will take God at his word, and one day they won't even really have a, a substantial body change in the sense that we'll still be young, and we'll still be walking on the streets of glory, and we'll know that we've overcome, and no one will be able to say, oh, well, you didn't quite fight. The temptation was 10 times worse, and you still overcame, and you still stood up, and you still went all the way with God. God is looking for a final generation to rise up, and we can say all the things uh, it's so hard. It's 10 times worse. There's so many things I want to go do out in the world. Or there's, and God is saying, didn't I send you? Didn't I call you? You look at that statement. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, when you say but, that means there's a bit of a back and forth. You think of Moses. Brother, Brother Moses was preaching on Moses on Wednesday. And how in the message, perfect strength by perfect weakness, Moses comes to God with his so many excuses. I can't talk. I can't do this. I can't do that. And forgive me if this sounds a little harsh. What Brother Branham says in the message, perfect strength by perfect weakness, is God didn't feel sorry for him. He got angry with him. He said he felt like kicking him around a little. And why was it? Moses finally got weak enough? Because he had been the great man. He had been the great man back in Egypt. The message, perfect strength by weakness, one of my favorites too, Brother Moses, it was a perfect, it was a man that was too big for God to use. 
So he sent him out to the wilderness. And then there was Moses too small for God to use. And God wants you in the middle. God does not want you too big to use. He does not take your pride. He does not take your ambition. He also doesn't take your fear and your trembling. There's two sides to it. You have to have perfect weakness in a spot where God can use you, in a spot where you're so surrendered that you know, I am nothing, but you also know God is something and he'll take me anyway, despite my fears, because he sent you. God was looking at Moses and he said, but but didn't I send you? Didn't you know for 80 years that you were the promised deliverer? I'll take care of it. I'll do it no matter what the fears are, no matter what the feelings are. Israel would have their ups and downs. They would have their cycles, but God would send a deliverer. I think about that, that story of Shamgar, one of my favorite stories. Over and over again, we can see it as young people, and I know I've seen it in my life, where we would come up so far with God, and the enemy would come in and take our crop. We could only get so far with God because he had that punch coming. We had our weak spot, and he knew where to punch. Over and over again. But there came a day where Shamgar got tired of it. There came a day where Shamgar saw the enemy coming across the, the, the hill. You could see the, the, the dust rising, and they were coming in to take his crops. They were coming to hurt his family. They were coming to do the things that they had done year after year, and today was enough. Today was the day he took that ox goat, and he began to slay Philistines left, right, and center. And if he would have stopped at Philistine 459, he wouldn't have got them all. If he, w- he was supposed to slay 600 of them, I believe. He was supposed to get to a complete and total victory. Yeah. When you come to an altar, when you come to your prayer closet, when you come to a spot, there is truly a place of full deliverance. Yeah. We're not called to live halfway. We're not called to live partially delivered and still falling. We're not, th- there'll be a trial, there'll be a battle, and you'll have to keep your freedom. You'll have to fight and keep your freedom, maybe every day. But you can keep it. It's yours. It's your inheritance. The devil has no right. And one day Shamgar killed them all. And they never came back around Shamgar's, I'm sure. We can find ourselves in a spot like Gideon, though, hiding under the, the wine press. And God can come and begin to move and say, I'm calling you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to serve me. I want you to do this for me. I want you to, to, to step up and do this. And we can have so many things that comes in the way. But God, how do I say it without saying it? He wants you to, he wants you to get it. I have written, I don't care how you feel. I don't mean it like that, though. Because he, he cares how you feel. But he transcends that. He goes beyond the fear. He goes beyond the feeling of unworthiness. He goes beyond the feeling of even our pride or ambition that might want something, and he can kill that. He wants to use you. He wants a group of young people that will come and take him at his word and say, that's my inheritance, that's my call, and that's my position. Now, God can call us to do different things. Brother, or the Bible would say gifts and calling and the calling of God are without repentance. There's many things that God can you call you to do. The gift is given to you, and it's not for you either. 
When you, when you got something that God wants you to do, I'll just spend a second on this, on gifts and calling. And God has something for everyone to do. God has a place. In the Bible, it talks about the man given different talents, and this one was given five and two and one and whatever it was. God has things placed in everyone's life that he wants you to do. But it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's a gift to you. It's not yours. It was given to you. And it's, it's for you to help someone else. It's not for you to use for yourself. It's not for you to use for your own glory. And it's not something you can even be proud of because you didn't do anything to deserve it. It was a gift that was given to you and that's not for you, but it's for God to use you through it. But I'll say also that it's like an arrow being shot from a bow. The arrow has no part in it. He just has to surrender and not fight back. And I've never seen an arrow really fight back. And it's up to the guy pulling to give it the right amount of pull at enough direction to hit the target. And all you gotta do is let go and let God. And I realized that was a really wimpy arrow pull, I'm sorry. But just be that arrow and God will hit the target. Time and time again. Now we can feel a fear and an insecurity many times when God calls us to do something. We can feel a fear and high, the nerves or the different things that can set in. And you know, God does care. God wants to make you confident in your calling. I believe that's why he would give Moses a burning bush so he could know, I point back to that moment on the sacred sands that I know God met me. And then he could, that was his anchor to go forward. God can give you a moment, a time where you, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt God's called me to do whatever it is. God sent me out to do that. In the book of Joshua chapter 1, Joshua was in that situation where he was called to take the shoes of Moses. Those are big shoes, but he was called. Didn't matter. God sent him. Now, after the death of Moses, it says in chapter 1, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the place of Israel. And he gives them a promise. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. When God calls you to do something, he calls you to do it. And the devil gets hurt in the process. The devil remains underfoot the whole time. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong. And then he has to say it a bunch of times in chapter 1. Be strong and of a good courage. He cares. He wants you to have the confidence in your call. He wants you to have a confidence that you're saved. He wants you to have a confidence that you're filled. And he wants you to have a confidence that he's going to use you. So that when you go out to be used, you go out knowing, I know where I stand. For unto this people thou shalt divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only, he says it again, be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do all, according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. 
This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And I believe this is the only time in the Bible it's written. So it's a principle for anyone looking for success. And then thou shalt have good success. Joshua, when he took God at his word, he began to cross Jordan. He began to come to Jericho. Walls came down. Things began to happen. We can get scared to do what God calls us to do. We can be given a job to do somehow, and the job seems too great. Or it seems like, I can't do that. Or I'm unworthy to do that. Or I don't quite have the, the I'm, I'm not old enough to do that. Or someone else would do it better. But didn't God send you? Who's God? The creator of heaven. The universe. I was thinking about what's it like to really, we think of God as this, this great being, and he is a spirit being, and how one day, and we are now, and yet one day we'll be in heaven married to God. How does that even make sense? It doesn't in my mind, but in my heart it does. There's something that says, amen, I don't understand it carnally, but that same God is sending you. That same God is calling a group of you to serve him. That the book of Acts would live through you. Who said it? God said it. That same great, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowing, and yes, he knows what you've done and where you failed. That same God calling you. Joshua, he marched around that wall just exactly like the chief captain told him to do it. He was out one afternoon walking. He was wondering how he was going to get the walls. He knowed the enemy was defeated. They was inside the wall. But how was he going to get in? So he took a little stroll around one afternoon to meditate. That's a good thing to do. Get away from everyone and get to yourself a while. He seen a man standing with his sword drawn. Joshua thought that might have been one of the aliens. So he jerked his sword and ran at him. And he said, are you for us or against us? He said, I'm the captain of the host of the Lord. And he told him what to do. And he told him what to do. And Joshua went and, and did it. Now, obedience must come first before God can use you. When God has a call to do, if God wants you to do something, God won't put you in place to do it until you're actually submitted to him. And he can try you at times. He might put you in a role or put you in a place or begin to call you, begin to use you. But if you start to do it your way, if you start to let pride or your own ambition get in the way, God will back away and, 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 and let you learn obedience because God wants you to be obedient so that ultimately when God calls you to do something, he's inside you and he's the one doing it. And ultimately, he gets all the glory. And you're able to say, oh God, I was just your servant. I've done according to what you've commanded. Obedience must come before God can use you. And God will test it. When we're called to walk, God will test us to see if we're really sold out to God. God will see if it's, or if it's just our ambition or just our pride. Are we sold out to the word and the word alone? And it's actually during those tests that we can actually feel a little bit unuseful. We could feel like God's paused. And we're learning patience. Or we're learning something. Or we're being molded and shaped. And God isn't really feeling like he's using us. Though we might feel in our heart God wants to. And we can feel unuseful. But those are the moments Get into the word. 
get into prayer. Allow the word to wash you, to take the humanity out of the way. Because the deeper you dig, the more water he can fill. The more of yourself you can get out of the way, the more of himself he can put in the way. I was talking to someone, and they'll know when they hear what we were talking to someone about. They were wondering how to approach a situation. And they know that their humanity could get in the way or something. And I said, well, be yourself, but not too much of yourself. That's what it is. If we come up, if we song lead or if we play, we don't want to not be ourselves. Because if you try to impersonate someone else, it's not going to work. God doesn't call that. But don't let yourself get in the way. Don't let yourself cover up God. And yet Peter was still Peter after he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was Peter. He was a leader. And he was boisterous. And he could get up and speak. But God was leading. And God was in charge. Remember Isaiah in the temple? He thought he was something. He thought he had good connections to the king. One day he saw God. He said, oh God, I'm a man of unclean lips. And God could use him then. Now, notice, we think of Gideon. He would have been in a terrible condition. He was out there threshing his wheat. And the first thing you know over there, and he heard that prophet's message that we heard in those verses before. He heard the prophet's message. And we've heard the prophet's message. You can find the prophet came and gave the message telling them that to remember that God was God and he was the same God that delivered them and for them just to return to him. The prophet was saying, come back to God and I'll help you. Now, wouldn't that be a message for today, Brother Branham says? Certainly it would. God's still God. God is a God that was at Pentecost. God is a God that was in the burning bush. God is a God that opened up the Red Sea. What do we care about the hydrogen bombs or the fallout shelters or what more man can make? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. He's still God of Abraham, Isaac, God of Jacob. He's still God. We just want to hear that word. Now, when he spoke to Gideon, dropping down, Gideon was a little surprised. God said, thou mighty man of valor. He didn't know he was. It's not a strange thing to feel like, what? Gideon didn't know he was. Maybe you don't know you are. You might be one of those mighty men of valor tonight sitting here. You're saying the little church, small group, oh my, there was only two there, him and his daddy. There's only been two here, you and Christ. That's all it takes to make a mighty man of valor. You and Christ, a mighty woman of valor. Now the very first thing, you know what happened? As soon as he spoke to Gideon, thou mighty man of valor, called him, what could he do? He said, nay, Lord, no, I just can't believe that. Now he looked like probably, Brother Bram describes Gideon probably, or maybe, maybe he describes the angel, sorry, probably an old bald-headed man sitting up there, leaning up against a bush, sitting there, maybe a sheepskin wrapped around him or something, another stick in his hand. He wasn't very much to look at. And he told him that this angel had come to commission him to go deliver Israel. And God's called you to come and live out the book of Acts again today and to go all the way to a rapture. Free. Delivered. Saved. And healed on the way. The prophet had, and he wasn't much to look at, he'd come to deliver him, commission him to go deliver Israel. The prophet had done given his message. So God said, I'm sending you to do this. Why, nay, Lord, no, I, I couldn't, I couldn't. And that, that man, that, that God said, the angel of the Lord said, God is with you. 
And he said, if God is with you, where are all the miracles? And we can say, if God's with me, if God's called me to do this, where is the power of God? Where, where, how do I know? How, how, I still feel like my life isn't quite right. You'll never feel like your life is quite right. There'll always be something to work on until the day we're out of here. We're stuck in mortal bodies. We're stuck in flawed humanity, and the Spirit of God quickens us and comes and lives out of us. God said, wait here, we'll go down a little bit. Then after, Gideon says, then after there was a sign given to prove that he was an angel, the offering was consumed. Then he got ready to act. He gave him so many thousand, and and we know how the story goes on. Gideon won to skip to the end of the story. We can look at different ones in the Bible. We can see how God would call them to go, and they would go, and they would win. God would win over and over again. Brother Branham would say in the message, have not I sent thee? Do you believe it's time for the church to show his presence? To show the presence of Christ. Instead, you go to the church and join and say, we, we're mess- I'll just say what we say. We're, we're in the message. We're in the message. We're in the message. We're Pentecostals. So and so, we got this. And, and that, that day is dead as midnight. See, doing that. Brother Branham says, it's time for the evening light to be shining. Amen. As the song says, it shall be light in the evening time. It's time for those evening lights to shine. What's going to keep them from shining? You go out any day, any day you want to, and just move all the clouds back. The sun is shining anyhow. When it's nighttime, the sun is shining on the other side of the earth. The sun's shining all the time. Just move the clouds. The same God that healed, the same God that filled with the Holy Ghost, the same God that made every promise is the S-O-N of God. The Son of God is shining at all times. Just move the clouds of doubt away. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've got a lot of ecclesiastical clouds. We can get, sit in church and we can so learn the right way to approach it and, 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 and drain all the faith, the emotion, the, the joy of the Lord out of it. But when we got, we got a lot of ecclesiastical clouds that shaded him off of us and a lot of denominational nonsense that's kept Christ from us, just fan back by prayer, he says. Every one of those old clouds and see if Christ doesn't appear the same as he ever was. If he doesn't appear in the same light, the same power, the same signs, the same wonders, see if he isn't the, still the same Messiah. Amen. Knock back all the clouds. Wave them back from one side. See if he isn't. But first thing you've got to do is believe and act. Not just believe, but act. Gideon got into action. When he knew God was right, he tested it. He, uh, you could say, prayed about it, sought the Lord. God confirmed it. Then he went and did it. Yes, there was fleeces. God came and confirmed the word again. God is so faithful. He wants you to believe. Brother Paul was preaching. He wants you to believe. He wants to do all the things he can do, but he also wants you to go do it. And he'll keep confirming it. He'll keep holding you in his hand. He'll keep leading you and guiding you. But keep doing it. The mighty man of valor was correct. And the mighty men and women of valor here is correct. If God be with us, then let us see miracles. Where are all the miracles? Where is the signs? If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then what is the sign that he is the same? 
What did he promise? What's the sign that he's the same? Greater works. John 14, 12, the works that I do shall you do also. Where is it? He promised it. What holds us back? Why would hold us, what would hold us back from believing? Brother Branham talks, I think, talking about even coming to church tired, he would, Brother Branham would admit to, I think, if I remember right, this one. Paul said, with my mind, I serve God, but with my flesh, but with the flesh, the law of sin, what is it? My flesh says tonight, I'm too tired. You're too tired. Your throat is too sore. I think Brother Branham, if I remember that tape, Brother Branham was literally feeling that. You're too tired. Your, your, your throat is sore. You've been, cut, you've been out in the wind today. You shall not go to church tonight. That's the law of the flesh. You might as well just call him up and tell Brother Neville, send the questions down, tell him to answer that. But you see, I promised to do it, Brother Branham said. Now, in my mind, on the inside, the Holy Spirit says, you keep that promise. But the flesh says you're too tired. Now the flesh says there's no need. Brother Brandon would switch gears. You pretty little thing. You're the prettiest little thing in school. Now don't pay any attention to that holy roller mother of yours or that fanatic father. See, you're the best looking girl in school. You're the prettiest boy, the best looking boy, the best built. You're the most popular there is in the city. And you yield your members to that. And where do you come out at? The little end of the horn every time, Brother Branham says. Paul says, my flesh wants to always yield to that. Your flesh does too. See, but the law of the Spirit of God in the heart overcomes the flesh and makes the body obey what the heart says. There's many tempting things in the world. We're not ignorant of that. We go to school. We live in the world. We know. And the devil will call us many times as young people. He'll plant something in front of you. You could be this. You could do that. That boy likes you. Whatever. But God doesn't call us to do that. God did not call Samson to go fall in love with a Philistine. God called him to do something, but that wasn't it. God called him to do something, but he didn't call him to go flirt with the Philistines. He didn't call him to go and always be moving over to, the, to Philistia. You know, it's interesting, all these bombs that are dropping that were happening in Gaza... You know, we've been following the Gaza Strip and Israel and the Palestinians. Gaza, that was where Samson was. That was where his greatest victory was in Gaza. That was where he carried the gates of Gaza away after spending the night there. To like, I, did the, I looked it up to Hebron, Mount Hebron. It was something like 60 miles he carried it. Sorry, 60 kilometers, 37 miles. That's a long way to carry a gate. He was tough. Well, God was tough. But that was where all the conflict still is. They didn't get a full victory. And to this day in Gaza, there's bombs flying. But yet God had a great victory in a man named Samson. But God didn't call Samson to go flirt with the Philistines and go live in Gaza. God didn't go call. He, he, what he called him to do was overcome. He didn't call him to go flirt with the world. He called him for a purpose, and that was to kill his enemies. And thank God he did. He killed him. He got him. He might not have got many. There was things in his life he might not have gotten right. But he did fulfill the call. Why? God sent him. God's word doesn't return void. Now the law of sin and death works in your flesh. But the law of the spirit of life works in your heart. We might feel up and down. And I'm starting to wind down. We might feel unworthy. We might feel not in a condition, even right now in this moment, to say, okay, well, I, I get it. I believe it. It's right, but I, I don't feel it for me. 
We might feel that I'm not, I'm not perfect. I know what I've done. I, I'm in a rut that I can't get out of. I'm in a spot that I can't be used of God. That's how we can feel. Brother Branham says a powerful quote in the restoration of the bride tree. The law, I think, what is my need? What's my cry? What, is, what do I need from God? Brother Branham says, and the law of God by the Holy Spirit. So to get there, we have to surrender. We have to make it right. We have to enter into God's channel. But then it says, by the Holy Spirit brings any promise to pass regardless of the conditions. It doesn't take all that long to begin to make yourself right tonight for God to use you. It really doesn't take all that long. There might be a dying out. But Brother Brown says, regardless of the conditions. Job said, though the skin worms destroys my body, yet in my flesh I'll see God. And then Brother Branham says this, regardless how, of how little we are, how low we are. Then he says something that, how impure we are. How unholy we are. How sick we are. How afflicted we are. I'm going to read it again. Regardless of how little we are, how low we are, how impure we are, how unholy we are, how sick we are, how afflicted we are, the law of God's Spirit, by His Word, makes it obey Him, forces the issue, and says, give it back. It doesn't matter what the devil stole from you. It doesn't matter how impure you feel tonight. It doesn't matter how low you feel tonight. It doesn't matter the condition. It doesn't matter how sick or what the doctor said. The law of the spirit of life forces the issue. If you can simply take God at his word, it says, give it back. Oh, if we could just think of that for a minute. It forces it regardless of conditions. No matter what the condition is, the law of God forces the condition. Another thing that can hold us back from serving God is that thought of God. Brother John, I know I can be set free because I've been set free before. I know I can begin to start to walk with God. But like you said, the Philistines always come and steal my crops. Like you said, why would I get up and go again when I know that I can just fall back again? That's a demotivating thing. The cycle. And we know that if we get up and we begin to slog away at it again, and we know ourselves, and in our weakness we can't stand, why would I start? Why would I start then? Why would I do this again? It's discouraging. Our life as a Christian, God help me to say this right, our life as a Christian when we enter into a walk with God, we're entering into a drama. Let me tell you the end of the drama. You go to heaven and live eternally. Everything that happens is a part of something that's scripted. And all we're doing is acting out a part. God has your steps ordered as we enter righteousness. The steps of the righteous are ordered. And as we begin to enter a walk with God, yes, there's times we fall. Yes, there's times we repeat it. Israel had ups and downs, but there came moments of total deliverance. Yeah. 
that was a part of the drama. You can't really understand freedom unless you were bound. You can't really appreciate the power of God unless you've been bound up by something, unless you've been lost, unless you've been sick. So God allows these things to show himself and to show how much greater he is than our stinking enemy. Our life is a drama. So we begin to say, I I can't get up again. You can. I know the back of the story. I know what happens for you. You go to heaven and you live eternally. Really simple. And what happens in between? Give it to God. Get up again. If you fall it again, get up again. And if you fall again, get up again. There comes a day. It's like when your plane is breaking through the sound barrier and it begins to shake and rattle. Those moments right before a total freedom, it can feel like everything is wrong. Keep pushing. I know. It works. God will bring it all the way through. If you take God at his word, he that the Son has set free is free indeed. No matter what the devil says, it's part of the drama. At the end, you make it. At the end, he that's called and predestinated, all things work together for the good. And they're called and predestinated according to his purpose. He can't lose you. You can't lose. It's just a drama. I began to think, and I'm, I'm winding down. I began to think of what will it feel like on the other side. Here God's calling an army. Here we're called to fight. Here we're called, we have, there's depression that'll hit us, or there's discouragement. There's the ups and downs of a week. There's the ups and downs of a family life, or friends, or school, or work, or all the things. But there's a day where we lay down our swords, where all that God's called you to do has been fulfilled. All the stress All the trials, imagine it. All the things we fought at, all the criticism, all of the things that have haunted us or pulled us back, it's all gone. Every bit of sacrifice you made for God, it's suddenly worth it. Every time you laid down yourself in school and took the harder, less popular route, all the times that we stood for God, now we're sitting on the other side. And imagine the scene. An angel comes out, begins to read the names that made it. Think about it. What will you do when he says, Maxwell, is he here? What will you do? Is Maxwell here? Is Brandon here? Brandon Wetmire, is he here? Where is he? Anything that we went through today, anything that we thought was hard now, Anything that faced us next week that said, I can't surrender to that, it won't matter for a second. When he says, Seth, is Seth Dole here? Or is Ruth Perzok, is she here? Did she make it? I'll probably be a little late. They'll say, John's always late. But I'll be there too. I don't know. what, What will we do on that day? There'll be nothing else that meant anything. We made it. We made it. All of the things that held us, all of, they're all gone. There's no point to anything else but serving God on this earth. I wish I could get, you could say all of the, but John, but, but didn't God send you? God sent you. There's nothing that can hold you back. There's no devil in hell. He's under your feet. 
He's under your feet. What will it be like when the roll is called up yonder? And he says, is Andrew there? Did he make it? He made it. Glory. Is Ethan there? Did he make it? He made it. He might not have thought. You might not have thought, but you made it. I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. If the musicians could come. God is calling us tonight. God wants to, serve, wants to send you out to serve him. God wants to call you, to clean you up, to turn you around, to place your feet on solid ground. You'll make it. Do you believe that? You'll make it. I was talking to an aunt of mine, if you play something softly. In Saskatchewan, and she's, I don't know, she's older. She's maybe in her 80s. I haven't seen her for a little bit. I see her every once in a while. Auntie Ange, Angeline Perzak, if anyone knows her. Her husband's been dead for maybe 10 years. And I, I've never heard maybe this type of energy from someone just in her position in life. She came out of the church. She shook my hand. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, she says. Devil, basically, paraphrasing, the devil's under my feet. And I keep nailing him, she said. And I keep nailing him, she said. And we just get up and we just beat the devil back. Oh, that's what we got to do. When the devil comes, keep nailing him. Nail him down. Nail him down. You got to stay there until I come back to step on you one more time. Every promise in that book is ours. Reminds me of one day, Brother Branham says, and I'll close. Maybe we can all stand. In a yard, Brother Branham, a simple little story. They said they had a duck that was following some chickens. And the duck, you know, was a funny little thing to them chickens. He kind of was top-heavy and big bill, you know. But that, he was top-heavy. He had that bill there for some purpose. That's the way I guess some Christians seem to be. Get a little fanatically, but that's there for a purpose. He looked funny as long as he was running around with the chickens. And he could, turkeys and things, but they had that bitty short, they, they, they had the different bill than him. One day the mother led them with a bunch of chickens around out back behind. And he was always way in the back, you know, kind of, he didn't talk like them. His language was different. They couldn't understand one another. That's the way the Christian is when he's born again. It's come out of, it's come out of a different egg. I believe there's many of them out there in these denominational churches that's genuine ducks, but they've got a hen leader. One day she led him out a little too far behind the barn. There was some water running down there behind the barn, a spring going out, and he was going along there wondering what it's all about, you know, following the hen along and why he didn't even, he didn't even like the diet they were eating. Amen. That didn't look right to him. These old things that they do, it didn't seem right. After a while, he just happened to catch a breath. That smelled just right. Where did that come from? That little breath of heaven. Catch a little breath of something refreshing. That strikes down, you feel the word anchor itself. Heavenly sunshine. He thought, oh, there's something, another, that's breath that I've got. Fits my nature. He breathed it again. It's somewhere. And you can't tell me it's somewhere. He smelt water. Amen. And his nature was a duck. So as a duck and the water just goes together. 
That's the way a believer in God goes together. There's something that just fits. You can't even explain it. There's a longing that's there all your life. Then God begins to come and work on you and move on you and then fills it. And then there's a fire shot up in your bones. And all along, there's a desire, a deep that calls to the deep. Brother Branham would say the next night, like I told you this morning about that duck, as soon as he smelt the water, there was nothing that could keep him away from it. All the clucking of the hens, everything else. He went straight to water because he's a duck. And he says, now if there's any duck, if any of you have got a duck nature, we've got a great big pool back here of water. If you can smell, if you've got a whiff that God remains God, if you've got a whiff from heaven tonight that God keeps his word and he's a miracle-working God and you haven't received the Holy Ghost yet, smell the water. First thing he said, do certainly repent from the bottom of your heart, lay yourself as a sacrifice on the altar, and you will be consumed of the world and born again of the Spirit and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. Go right through the process. Not come shake hands with the preacher or do those things. But die so dead you don't know the world no more. Lead me, Lord. I will follow. Lead me, Surrender. Leave me alone. 